Hello, Wigs and Snatchets, and welcome back to another episode of the Snatch Podcast. You're here uh, with your lovely host, Ewart. And before I swing it over uh, to Latoya, <laughs> I just want to con- do some context. She is the apple to my crumble. Oh, she is the oh. scotch bonnet to my curry goat. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, uh. Latoya. Hello, hello, hello. So, as I said before, um, Wigs and Snatchets, welcome back to another episode of the Snatch podcast and to season three new art black and back again this episode um is called our minds matter and we're going to be looking at uh mental health and the black experience of mental health because i think we can all appreciate being black or from the bane community um there are some challenges that we face um and so we just wanted to kind of explore this episode to understand potentially what i'm bringing to light um what are the challenges that we face why we potentially face those challenges and how we've overcome uh how do we overcome them i think myself and Latoya have been quite transparent on our podcast and been quite vulnerable to share with our audience that we have had our fair shares of struggles uh, with mental health. Um, so we definitely thought it would be really good to kind of like delve in to uh, this topic. Mm. Um, and, you know, we hope that by us talking about it or sharing our experiences, it will really um, support anybody um, who potentially is going through um, some struggles uh, in their mental health. I think it's important to make a disclosure that myself and the two are, are not trained uh psychiatrists nope. nor do we claim to be i don't think that we are the experts but the only thing we can do is just talk about our experience yeah. and we'll definitely encourage um any of our audience members wigs and snatch if you are um if there's topics in the podcast that come up um and it strikes a nerve um and you need some support feel please feel free to seek that help mm. um and equally feel free to jump in and join the conversation with us as well so that's to give you a little bit of context mm-hmm. uh, of the episode um Again, always, as always, some PR. If you're not following us already on our social medias, please follow us at snatch.podcast <laughs> on Instagram. Um, and you can listen to this episode and the other episodes as well in season three, season two, and season one uh, on Spotify, uh, iTunes, and SoundCloud as well. So mm-hmm. that was a nice little context for Sunday afternoon. Thank you. <laughs> so um, as I said, I think... What I wanted to do was just start off the um, the episode, as I said, focusing on uh, mental health. So I just want to read out a little bit and just tell you some statistics that I, um, I found for us to have a bit of a conversation. Cool. So um, these are some statistics um, from mentalhealth.org.uk. Um, and it says that black men are more likely to experience a psychotic disorder in the last year in comparison to white men. Mm-hmm. We've got black people are four times likely to be detained underneath the mental health act than white people um it was a really interesting stuff that we came across here again older south asian women are at risk of group are, are at risk group i'm not even saying that right older south asian women are an at risk group there we go <laughs> yeah. uh, for suicide um we've got here um people of indian Pakistani and African Caribbean uh, origin show higher levels of mental well-being uh, than any other uh, um, ethnic group. So those mm. are just some four kind of stats uh, that we've pulled or that I've read out from from the website. Um, and I just want to find out from from yeah. you, Victoria, like, what's your view? That's very interesting. Some of those stats. So the first one about um, more likely to be um, to have a psychotic disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's obviously with men generally men aren't really taught to talk about their feelings you know yeah. like we kind of have that as a societal pressure for men that they can't really discuss how they feel so there's a lot of internalized um turmoil i think men go through mm-hmm. but what's interesting is that black men obviously they're having psychotic disorders and I, I, are more likely to experience it and i i do wonder if that's because again the strong black man you know mm-hmm. image that we put out there black men are meant to be you know even if you think about sport you think about athletics you think about um physicality mm-hmm. black men are viewed to be more bigger dominant faster stronger so in that yeah. way i feel like they're not allowed to be um mentally weaker mm-hmm. i definitely think and i think it's also a trope that we sometimes keep um on rotation within our community which isn't great mm-hmm. um that, that that black people four times more likely to be detained not shocking um because sometimes actually it's not even mental health i think i, I talked previously about when in the last episode we talked about what can black men or men do for their communities as a, you know families and dads mm-hmm. etc and i talked about in schools black kids are more likely to be seen as problematic uh misbehaving not focused and not diagnosed with things like ADHD. They're not diagnosed with things like dyslexia, dyspraxia. So sometimes yeah. you see things. And, you know, I saw a video on social media, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, actually, of a black man pretending, or not pretending, he was attempting to rob a bank with a toy gun. And people were, like, standing and filming and laughing. Clearly, this man was having, like, a psychotic break. Something was going yeah. on. It's not It's not normal. But it's seen class as entertainment, which is a bit worrying, because actually something's not quite right there if he's doing that. Whereas um, I don't know if, if, if a white man was doing it, what would be the, the response? So I think then that way our rights are taken away, because if they're being detained or being sectioned as well, it means that we don't have advocates to support us. Do mm. we need to be detained? Maybe not. Because mm. I don't think we're ex- we are more mentally more mentally unwell than our white mm. peers. Mental health is mental health, and everyone experiences it. But why is it are uh, we four times more likely to have sort of our our rights? Because once you're detained, I think I believe, and I could be wrong, that the state can make decisions on your behalf. Yeah, and so you have no autonomy over what happens, what drugs you're given, whether you're locked up, etc. Which is a bit worrying. Why are black people four times more likely to have that happen? I don't know. Um, older, older South Asian women, that's quite surprising to me, actually. Mm. I, I wouldn't have put that statistic out there and I wouldn't have known about it. It'd be interesting to hear from people from that community. Um, I do feel like I, again, don't really hear about mental health issues from that community. Having mm. um, worked in a school where there were, kids, were children and teenagers from that community, I did notice that, like, they equally had issues going on at home in the same way that other groups did. But it was more, um, I feel it's quite embarrassed. They're quite embarrassed to talk Mm -hmm. about it. And also it's all kind of quite, it was quite secretive. Um, And I think sometimes like some of the girls, for example, might have boyfriends and they're not allowed to have them, you know, which is teenagers, you're not allowed to have them. But it can be more of an issue because of things like arranged marriages, um, and religious mm. crossover, which is not supposed to happen. So I do wonder if those things have play a role in that. 
that we have um, good mental well-being compared to other ethnic groups, so Indian, Pakistani, African, Caribbean yeah. groups, that's a positive. And I think that's also to do with community spirit. I think we have mm. two things going on that I guess we'll explore it later on. But I think a good thing about um, being from an ethnic minority is that I do think that we do rally round and we do have a bit more community spirit, whether that's kind of um, entrenched within religion or family mm. or community we do have it and sometimes it is sad you know this is not totally related but when you see gentrification happen because mm -hmm. when you have areas where you have high densely populated people from yeah. your community that helps and mm -hmm. when you're all separated or it's broken up or you can't afford or you feel priced out or iced out then you have no one else to rely on especially say for example maybe you're a single parent Mm. Or you're someone who's come over by yourself and you're living and you know studying here and you haven't got anyone around you, that can cause that can cause issues. So it's, mm. that's a really really interesting actually. Mm. Yeah. So it's just, I'm just like, ooh, okay. The, I think the 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 tamed under the mental health act concerns me the most. I think. Yeah. You know what? I think I agree with everything you, you were saying. I think that um, uh, you are right in terms of you know. Uh, when you were telling the example of the the black man who was holding up um, a bank with a toy gun, mm. etc., and actually it was being video recorded and it was seen as entertainment, I think that's quite shocking, quite sad. But actually, I think that's naturally that's what happens. I mm. think as a black man, we um, if I was to suffer through that, I'll be seen as it will be entertaining, mm. um, which isn't necessarily right. Like, why would I not be treated with the same dignity in comparison to my white peers potentially? Mm -hmm. um, so I do feel that 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 is. Uh, something that is definitely at play. I do feel, yes, the black man, um, we are required to be uh, strong and demonstrate strength from a physicality, a mentality and a spirituality perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes, yes, whilst one might be working, the other one might not necessarily be. And it's very hard to, and I can only speak from my experience, it's quite hard to ensure that all of those levels are balanced equally. Yeah. Um because, and A, I feel that I, I put pressure on myself to ensure that, but then equally I do feel that there's pressure from society of actually how I should operate. Mm. Um, and I do feel, I, 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 I don't want to, um, uh, I know I'm bringing in uh, sexual orientation, sexuality and, and, and gender into this. I know we've got an episode later on in the season where yeah. we explore that, but I do feel as a black gay man mm -hmm. um i put more pressure on myself in terms of right this is where you need to operate this is how you need to be from a you need to be strong from a mentality perspective and physical strength mm. and emotional strength etc so that is really really um difficult and hard sometimes to maintain that and that mm. plays a massive that has a massive effect on uh my mental health and almost my anxiety as well mm. um and i know we'll probably get into and i'll share more uh i'll share some more examples later on during the episode but yeah, yeah that really just kind of like struck a chord mm. with me and i agree with you in terms of it's positive to see that you know the last stat around um around the afro-caribbean community we've got better uh mental wealth that was it yeah so um people of indian pakistani and african caribbean origin showed higher levels of mental well-being than other ethnic groups i'm really happy that actually that is a statistic yeah. because i do feel that um for quite some time mental health and there is still some stigma around mental mm. health to be fair um but i remember like when my sister was diagnosed like 
all those years ago with schizophrenia and bipolar, mm. it was kind of a bit of a secret. Mm. Um, and I think the reasons why it was a bit of a secret, and this is not like, mum, if you're listening, you've done a really good job. Don't worry. Uh, I'm not coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel that it was still very new. Like none of my friends, I was nine at the time. So it was such a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and we didn't really know. I don't think mum knew how to handle it and how to manage it. So she didn't really talk about it, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and she wouldn't necessarily, um, yeah, she wouldn't necessarily talk about it, vocalise how she felt, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it was a little bit of a secret, if I'm honest. Mm. That sounds really bad, doesn't it? Oh. It does sound really bad. Um, but it's nice to see that actually it's not like, you know, it's not the taboo, it's not, uh, there's more awareness has been brought to the the surface around like mental health. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of like from my perspective, my experience. Mm. Um, I guess we're going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, because we've talked to, we've obviously got stats there, but exploring mm-hmm. issues that are impacted from our biological, social and economical inequality. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what does that even, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. What does that even mean? Because from when we are born, when you're mm-hmm. born, it's sad to think you don't all have a level playing field, actually. As soon as you're born, your skin colour, your complexion, your uh, financial, your parents' financial background mm-hmm. all has a impact mm-hmm. on the start to life. Doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean it's going to impact on the finish, but it has an impact on the start to life. So in terms of mental health, mm-hmm. do you feel like... Um, let's let's go with economical because you know unfortunately probably a lot of African and Caribbean um, families might fall into a, a sl- slightly lower social economic bracket. Mm-hmm. What impact do you think that has in terms of them accessing mental health support? And secondly, how um, how do I phrase this? NHS and mental health support in general views that group. So kind of in tandem, how it works together in order for one to seek and one to actually mm-hmm. provide the support? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, uh, I think it's probably really hard to, um, if you don't necessarily fall into a particular social and economical background, mm-hmm. I think it's very hard to access the right support that you need. Mm-hmm. I feel that, um, yes, that a lot of like, you know, our community mm-hmm. um, and the BEM community in general will mm-hmm. fall into that category. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because, um, yeah, we just don't have the money. Mm. A, you don't have the money. B, we are uh, uh, our parents and I think we have to go to work so we don't have the time to take it off sick to look at our mental health. Sure. We don't have the time. We can't afford to mm-hmm. because we are not... Um, in a position in comparison to, I'd say, people who are, don't fall into that category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel that it's hard to be able to access the right resources that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and whilst I don't want to knock the NHS, and I think that there are some really good uh, services mm. um, in the NHS, but I would challenge it's, I don't, I think that we need to relook really look at the offering that we're getting from mm-hmm. the NHS mm-hmm. um, in regards to mental health services. So I think it can be better. Um, now don't tell me how, I don't know, because I'm not an expert. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think it, it, can, it, it can be better. Um, 
And then to answer your other question around the, what the other question was the services that NHS are providing. And if it's Uh, actually reaching those people in terms of them even even be able to access it. Like if I'm, if I'm like a, you know, I grew up in, let's just say I grew up in Stockwell, right? So Stockwell, Vauxhall, Boulder. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I grew up in in a state, a council estate, you know, quite, there was like, it was normal London in a urban mm-hmm. estate, right? Like, what? How would? How could they reach me? Do you know what I mean? Like, how mm-hmm. as a teenager would I even know that I can get mm-hmm. support? Yeah, Do you know what I mean. I think. I think. I don't think for our generation. I don't think it was there. I think now mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. So I think for like our kids, our baby cousins, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, who are at school, I think because there's been such a focus, and we've definitely seen the shift of normalising the conversation around mental health and people, mm. a lot of people uh, uh, suffer from anxiety and from it, mm. um, and elements of that. I think it's now, um, yeah, because it's spoken about at school, I think that the access will probably be there, better, yeah. uh, will be better. Um, now, I don't think the access was better back in the day, but I think a lot of things have obviously changed um, uh, now. So mm. I do feel that the access is there now. Um, do I feel that, it is the right excess, no. And do I feel that our community has the capacity to access it and take time off to focus on their mental health or mental mm. wealth? No. no, because we have to work. Yeah, it's true. We have to work. It's true. We have to work. Um, you know, I don't think that we've got the luxury. <laughs> I always said this, this comment: those that come work must work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've got the the luxury or some of us don't have the luxury to take two weeks off to focus on our mental health. We don't have that luxury. It's very true. And And I'm not terminating saying that, you know, our white peers have that luxury because I do know everyone has to work, right? Yeah, of course. But I do feel with our community, we don't have that luxury. No, it's really hard. To be honest, I couldn't access anything until I started working I didn't really, the NHS list was so long, I just couldn't be bothered. In the first instance, when I when I did go to therapy, which was quite a long time ago now, mm. um, so I made this decision to pay for it. And that's because I could just about afford to go. And even mm. then, like you said about the time off, I had to go every Friday because I had no, um, this is when I was teaching, so I'll be very honest, the time period when I did it. And I had, I had no classes on a Friday. Mm-hmm. afternoon so I was able to I think I made up some sort of lie to say I had like a doctor's string of doctor's appointments or mm-hmm. hospital appointments because I was embarrassed and I didn't want people to know that I was going to therapy um so I had to leave work a bit earlier but I had I was lucky that I was in a job where I mm-hmm. could leave at you know two three o'clock to get yeah. to my appointment to be seen um and I yeah I had to pay but the, even then it was like a chunk out of my salary you know my sessions at that point I don't know how much they cost now but it was yeah. 55 pounds a, a session so 55 pounds every week you know I had to find money to pay for that whilst paying my rent and my bills etc it was a lot but I had to weigh up the option like I felt like okay but I might invest that money in raving or going out or shopping or eating so I had to find the resources because I knew Mm. that I was at my breaking point I had to go and see somebody Mm. um subsequently since then I've not paid for it since I've done NHS and I will be personal here like after I had my my child I was very worried that I was going to get postnatal depression because it was the pandemic (laughs) so it was lockdown it's me and my baby at home 
every day. Um, I'm not able to see my family as much as I would like to. Um, my husband has to go to work. And it was a lot. The first, anyone who's had a baby, I would say the first six weeks, as they call it, like, you know, fourth trimester, whatever, is really hard. It's really, really mm-hmm. difficult. Um, I had a health visitor who, she was shit, sorry. Um, she's shit. So, she, but she was like, oh, okay, well, you can access this, you know, mountain, mm-hmm. whatever, talking, whatever shit is. Anyway, because mm-hmm. of the pandemic, it's all that, it's all on, on the phone. You were, it's mm. on the phone and I was just like okay so she's I've done um local authority I've done an NHS so I already know what it is but I really I said to her look I've done this before so but my issue is not general anxiety it's just me trying to get to grips with being a mum and being able to cope in this really abnormal situation and she was like, oh, well, um, I can send you two booklets. I'm going to send you the one that we generally do, which I've done before you at. And I mm. can send you the postnatal one. But I mean, just to make it easier, we're just going to focus on the general. And she was asking me to do things like, um, I want you to do like um, your week, your activity week. I think to myself, have you had a baby before? Your week is you get up, you feed the baby. You might be able to brush your teeth. You feed the baby. You might be able to have something to eat. You feed the baby. They do a shit. You change the nappy. You feed the baby. Like, literally, there's no change to your routine. And I'm just Mm. trying to do this activity. I'm like, this is not fitting into into my life. I don't... This doesn't Mm. work for me. So I quit. Because I was like, I'm not going to carry on doing this. Because it's not even tailored to what I I need. And I think that is the issue with the NHS services. That they couldn't even adapt i don't know if anyone else took um a chance to try it took a chance to try it, like you go shoe shopping but actually, yeah. <laughs> use, actually use any mental health services during like the last year um i just found it shocking i i found that they couldn't even adapt to the situation we're in you can't even do video call with me like mm. it was madness and you know thank god i did not slip into any postnatal depression and i'm grateful for that but i know that's not the case for everybody i think mm. there's a stat that says and let me just make sure i've got it right that black women or i think black women are 57 percent less likely to get treatment for post mm. or start treatment for postnatal depression but actually more likely to get postnatal depression mm. so they don't mm. even get the treat- it's madness so i think that and that's just one facet but even in areas where these things affect the general population. Like women are all susceptible to postnatal depression, but yet we're still not getting the support or, mm. and we're still not taking it. So what's going mm. on there? Mm. Like what what's happening? I still don't understand why there's not a specific postnatal depression. Unless I couldn't find it, but I couldn't find any po- kind of postnatal proper support for mm. me. And, you know, I tried to follow some of these like, you know, black pages, etc., And it was helpful to a point. But all I kept getting was the statistics that black women are five times more likely to die during childbirth. And I'm like, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's black trauma. And yeah, no, for sure. And I, I, I shout out to any black women who are pregnant right now or have been pregnant, had a baby. Because trust me, that in that pandemic, when they kept saying, and there were people who were dying, like, you know, YouTubers, mm-hmm. rest in peace, Nicole Thea, who died whilst pregnant, mm-hmm. close to it giving birth it was a statistic that was just kept getting thrown around and you know it was like an echo chamber last year with news mm-hmm. that took a you know i was like really anxious like, oh 100 yeah no absolutely 
So I also feel like sometimes that like, the statistics they are quite negative, but it it is constantly thrown in our face like we can't get better. Mm. That's how I feel sometimes that black. Wow, that's we, really powerful. Yeah, we we can't. We're never gonna overcome it. So you might as well get used to it that you're five times more likely to die having a baby, or you're four times more likely to get sectioned or detained under mental health back. That's what it is. Where is the change? Yeah, where's that support? What where's are we doing support? to almost like combat those stats and that feeling? Well, yeah, yeah just the stats and the facts, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Like, exactly. what is that support? You're really, you're, you're really right. You're really, really right. That's really powerful. Yeah, sorry, I overshared again, but anyway, <laughs> this, this, this is it. This is it. I think it, quite. I think similarly to your experience, like obviously, I was going. I went to uh, two bouts of CBT um, a very long time ago when I started to have like random panic attacks. I didn't know what was going on. It was being around people. Mm-hmm. I have anxiety. I think I was at capacity at work. I was at capacity. Um, at home, as it capacity in my personal life. So went to CBT and obviously went to the doctors. I was like, look, like I don't feel too tough, you know. I keep having these panic attacks and they're just random. Like I don't really have panic attacks. Like it's just a bit crazy. So the doctor was just like, so what does it feel like? I was like, I have a fucking panic attack. Like I can't breathe. Mm. My mouth starts getting dry. Like I start crying because I can't breathe. And then he's just like, okay, cool. Well, I think you should go to obviously, have you ever tried CBT? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, no. Mm. So I went ahead of basically, and it's quite interesting. Like, I went to this, um, it was like a four or six week program. Um, and I had to go every Tuesday in Kingsbury. And I walk up in there and I'm not going to lie. To our wigs and snatchers and our audience, audience, um, I was a little bit of a snob. I was just like, why am I sitting up there with these people? Because these people just look a bit crazy. I'm not crazy. Mm. So it's quite interesting. I even was going through my own shit and fuckery. But therefore, I walked up in this place and I'm judging others. And I was just like, okay, you, you just need to focus on yourself, sure. right? What was interesting is that the whole group, I remember, I was like, I didn't feel like the only, I wasn't the only black person because everybody there was part of the community or part oh, of the wow. BAME community. So that was really interesting for the six weeks. And obviously they probably had multiple um, uh, cohorts, I should say, mm-hmm. for the session. But in my cohort, every single person there was from was the black or Asian or they were mixed with something else. So that was really interesting and quite powerful at the time but now that I'm talking about it I now recognize that shit actually my whole cohort was like Mm. people of color um so I think that really reiterates obviously the stats that we um uh that we were speaking about in the beginning Mm -hmm. um and I do feel that CBT did help um but then the second time uh, that I seeked help, I think they tried to give me the same thing. And I was like, no, 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 I'd kind of need something a bit different yeah. because I was trying to explain to them. I was like, look, I think CBT worked when I was having the panic attacks, but I think I need to have a different course of action or support mm. because I do feel, I know I have suppressed emotions. I know I harbour ill feeling I know I have abandonment issues when I was younger. And I was like, I need to sort this out because I can't go into my 30s operating mads mm. <laughs> to it so then for they they referred me um to uh talking therapies now i know i might have skipped out a big proportion of time right so i had cbt maybe like four years ago okay and i actually done my talking therapies i was talking about in my head i was i think i was willing myself up or gearing myself up mm-hmm. to actually go through counseling or go to the doctor to ask um so they referred me to obviously to do the talking therapies, which I've done last year during lockdown. Mm. And that was the toughest thing I've ever done in my life. Wow. 
So it was tough because we're in lockdown. You can't go out and see anybody. I can't use work as an escapism. I'm mm-hmm. in the four walls. Family are getting on my tits. I'm getting on my own tits. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to this counsellor who was lovely. But, and there was some aha moments. I'm not going to lie. I'm not mm-hmm. going to knock it. I think there was definitely some aha moments. I was like, okay, cool. This is what I need to do. I understand why I do what I do. There were some tears, but I don't know if he was the right counsellor for me. Sure. And I think that's the difference sometimes with the NHS in comparison when you go to private, because I do know when you go to private counselling, mm. they will match the counsellor based on you as an individual. Mm. Um, and I think that that was a missed opportunity with NHS, but I appreciate obviously it's under strain, so course. they couldn't have done that. But I do feel sometimes you can go to these talking therapies and be talking to the counsellor, but if the counsellor is not right for you, mm. it may help a little bit, mm. but I don't think it will help yeah. like going forward. So I do feel that at times um, it has been a bit disappointing, mm. I would say, Um Via the from the support that I've received, I wouldn't say I'm saying, but my sessions were virtual actually via yeah. um, via WebEx. So I think that's where actually the NHS really supported me. So it is quite different it, in that respect. There are similarities to obviously uh, the lack of yeah. um, support or the right support, I should say. Um, but yeah, when you're talking about obviously you know your health worker not necessarily doing more of a virtual mm. call. That and talking of the phone, that I think yeah, that was definitely a letdown for you, yeah. and especially being a new mum, and especially being in COVID as well, and so, and considering the stats mm. for sure. I so do also a- feel like I was going to say, like, do you not also think because I've done that CBT thing as well? Um, mm. <laughs> sounds like I'm constantly in and out of therapy. I'm not, guys. Like, I literally have like long breaks, but I just, <laughs> but I only go because I I treat my mental health like I treat I treat it because it's the your mind is the only thing that. You, you really own to be quite honest with you um even your body can be up for sale so your mind is I feel like you have to you know look after your your mind and how you feel but I do you not feel that sometimes when it's like in a six-week window you're under pressure to get better 100%. Like you're, you have to like every week they do your little flipping fucking score like so anyone who's ever done it right um I'm just giving you the heads up if you've never done NHS um CBT courses every fucking week I should not be swearing, but you have to fill in some flipping form saying, this week I felt like this. How How did you feel? And you're like, "Um, um." so naturally, I think you get, there must be some sort of term for this. And I don't remember what it is, but some sort of bias, Mm -hmm. like where you're, you know, is it conflict? I can't remember the term, but basically you are amending your answers because it's not anonymous. So you're filling it in because you actually want your worker to believe you're getting better, even if you're not. Um, And I felt like sometimes I was just like, well, no, I didn't have, I didn't feel like that this week, but I felt like that once this week, but none of these answers feel, I have Mm. to say rarely or not at all. Cause if Mm. I say some of the time, it's like, Mm. oh, you're not getting better. And you kind of feel like you have to get better. Mm. Now the group therapy one, hmm, I did that. And I was like, listen, there were some people in there, like, I do think there are sometimes people who don't want to get better. And I say this in a way that I think sometimes you can be in a situation where you actually don't want to improve your mental health. <clears throat> You're stuck in a bubble of not improving. You don't want to get better. And um, 
that's worrying as well because mm. you can be in a cycle. So group therapy wasn't for me. So I do feel like you're in a circle where you don't actually get the chance to get better mm. because you're in a group of people and it's constantly like, oh, I'm more sad than you. Or I've done that. It doesn't work. It's like, I think with um, therapy where you pay for it, mm. it's at your own pace. And mm. it's also by yourself and you're with the person and you can decide when you feel like you want to end. Mm. Whereas with NHS, even in the group setting and otherwise, I was just like, okay, six weeks, I'm, done, I'm out of here. Mm. I didn't actually want to carry on past six weeks because even talking about the problem, I think you have like 10 minutes to maybe talk about how your week was. And it's like, okay, today we're going to talk about rumination. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. This is how you mm. stop ruminating. Okay. Mm. And it's like, did you, t- did you try the things out? Yeah, I did, but I still had a shit week. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, they need to really, instead of paying for mental health ambassadors from Love Island, no shade to Dr. Alex, because I like him and he's a really good influencer, but I don't think he should be paid as a mental health ambassador. You should invest the money into the services. I agree. What is someone from Love Island going to do for me? I agree. So, yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Swiftly. Um, <laughs> sorry. Oh, dear. Like, so, we talked about so many things. So, I'm going to talk about um, you mm-hmm. sharing some examples. Yeah. Of maybe just what you struggled with in relation to your mental health. And maybe in, in, in that, things that have happened not obviously in too much detail if you don't feel like it but mm-hmm. the experiences that you had growing up within a black family mm-hmm. and what how that's ha- impacted your mental health and how mm-hmm. you kind of either struggled or overcome because it could be positive dealing yeah with it. yeah so um i feel that I, uh, yeah, I definitely struggled with like, I think my whole thing around, I I mentioned before, um, I definitely had some serious abandonment issues. I think by, um, you know, I had a good relationship with my dad back in the day. Um, We lived in the Caribbean together for quite some time. And then obviously the relationship between him and my mum broke down. So I think I went through uh, a large proportion of my life, not necessarily knowing the reasons why he wasn't there and feeling that he didn't want me. So I feel that that played a massive part on my abandonment issues, twinned with my sister obviously being diagnosed with bipolar and schizophrenia and my mum having to focus on making sure she was better and my eldest niece was okay. I was left alone for quite a lot. I was by myself. Mm-hmm. I was super, super lonely, like, growing up. So I didn't really, like, have any close family member to to comfort me if I was upset. And I remember when I went through, like, my talking therapist last year, my counsel was just like, so when you were a child and you were really upset, like, who did you go to? And I was like, what? And it was just like, you know, when you were underneath, like, when you're, when you're in stress, mm. um, like, you know, who did you go to when you were younger? Couldn't answer the question. And I was like, no one. He was just like, you didn't have any, you didn't go to anybody. Mm. I was like, no. And he was just like, so I understand. Can you see how by you not necessarily going to anybody, you suppress quite a lot of your emotions. Mm -hmm. And I do feel that I'm a stereotypical, a black man, uh, Aquarian as well, where (laughs) the smile hides a thousand feelings. Mm. So I think that I had to kind of like cracked on 
was younger, but I think, yeah, definitely that whole kind of like abandonment issues. I think trying to navigate my way through life and try to, yeah, navigate my way through life being a black gay boy as well. Mm. Um, And I think if I felt abandoned at home and equally being a black gay boy and I felt abandoned for my own community, like they wouldn't accept me. Mm. And not being able to, or not having the same um, opportunities in comparison to my white peers and having to work twice as hard to prove yourself. Sure. It was a lot. Mm. It's a lot for someone to, um, it's a lot for a young boy or a young girl to carry all that weight on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. Cause you're still a you, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so I think that that definitely played a part in me, um, as I said, suppressing quite a lot of my emotions, not necessarily asking for help, um, elevating my expectation on how I need to operate. I was thinking to myself, at this age, this is what you need to be, et cetera, et cetera, all that jazz, because you know that you you want to have the latest designer trainers or you want to have this yard, mm. you want to have this car, et cetera. So I think that definitely kind of like played a massive part on my mental health, A, the abandonment issues and the fact that I set quite a lot of high expectations for myself. Sure. And then when I don't achieve it, I beat myself up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, cool, onto the next one, et cetera, et cetera. Like, so I do, yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's definitely played a massive part. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially me feeling a bit like a failure. Oh, no. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I went for a moment. I, I and I would. I'm going to be very open and honest with you, Latoya, and, and our fellow wigs and snatchettes. Like, I have really struggled with um, the balance between uh, the inner critic and the, uh, around failure. Because mm-hmm. in my head, I'm just like, but you know that you can do this. So this is what you want to do. To, and it's great that I have passion, determination, and ambition. Mm-hmm. But I, you, I think it's you need to have a healthy relationship with yourself and with your ego in order for you to manage that. Because if for you sure. don't, it consumes you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very detrimental, 110%. There were times I was walking around, like, in my 20s, and I was just like, you're such a failure, bruv. Like, literally, mm-hmm. what are you doing with your life? Uh, and if people haven't necessarily know about this author, the author is called Ryan Holland, and he's, um, I'm currently reading a book, uh, Ego is the Enemy. Mm. So Ryan Holland, Ego is the Enemy. He uh, used to be uh, a marketing director for uh, American Apparel. Uh, obviously before it went into like, you know, yeah. <laughs> left. But he, in the story, basically he retells like his experience in terms of um, the failures of top bosses that he's worked for in talent agencies in Hollywood and obviously working for American Apparel and actually the decline of organisations because of the ego of the individual. Mm. Um, so it's actually quite a powerful book. So if you are, if you are interested, go check that out. I love uh, it. So that's how I would say, sorry, it was a very long-winded was great uh, answer. answer to your question. <laughs> no, it was, not, it was great. But that's how it's definitely played a part. I think that was great. Very honest and transparent. And what about you? Oh, God. I think I'm like an onion. I always say that I'm like an onion. There's too many layers. Um, I think I've had quite traumatic experiences. Some I've never spoken about and Mm. some I have, like in in my teenagehood and childhood, that I think I got very good, you know, because I'm a Libra. So I think we're very good at um, presenting. Yeah, we're very good at presenting an image that might not not necessarily be true. And what I I say is not, doesn't mean you're lying. 
it means that you're presenting your you're putting your best face forward even if that's mm. not how you feel similar to you saying that your smile can hide what you're feeling inside mm. for us it's completely like i i feel other libras correct me i feel that it's not even that it's like a completely different veneer so people may know you but they don't really know you and i think only my closest friends and family know me fully there's there's mm. work latoya and social latoya and meet someone for the first time latoya but it will take you several layers of peeling to really get to know me as a person. Um, I think all those traumatic experiences were, I just got used to just getting on with things really. That's how I've always mm. been. I just throw myself into work, even though it displays itself in other ways. Like I'm a really big procrastinator. I'm embarrassed mm -hmm. to say I procrastinate a lot. Procrastinate to the point where I actually get a thrill of doing things at the last minute and it succeeds. That's terrible. It's because I keep because it's because it does well, and it's a really bad, really really awful trait to have. And I've really tried to not do it, and I'm getting better. But I am like a last minute dot com person because it often works. I think I like the rush, um, yeah, which is bad. But that's one of the way it manifests itself in that I throw myself into work and projects to the point where even sometimes my husband says, you're doing too many things. You need to stop, like pick something and focus. But I'm like, no, no, I want to do this. I want to do that. Which is, you know, I think because when I was at school, um, it just became a thing. If you just throw yourself into work and mm. you do get well when you get good grades. Mm. Um, I think as an adult, though, that's not really something... You can't fix things in the same way. And mm. I think my first kind of, when I teetered into having um, counselling the first time or therapy the first time, see, proper CBT and I, that I paid for, was came from the back of a breakdown of a relationship. And that was my mm. first proper relationship. So it was like, you kind of put someone on a pedestal and you think that they're really great. And actually they're just human, just like you. And when you you going through things and things go Back and badly you take a lot of blame on yourself which obviously now in my years later it wasn't just me I mean I was not the I wasn't perfect but also I was maybe dealing with somebody no shade please sorry that also had stuff that they were going through and yeah. as a as a couple actually it was never going to work whether it, mm. now or then it was never going to work because fundamentally we are two very different people but when mm. you have a breakup and that happens, you don't know that. So that becomes another thing of like, oh, it's rejection. Like you said, abandonment. Mm. It's like it triggered so many things in me. Mm. It wasn't because of the breakup, because now years later, it was the right thing. It was the right thing to happen. But at that point in time, it was a trigger for a lot of stuff going on. It triggered just triggered so many negative emotions, which is why I ended up going to, to therapy. And I did find therapy very helpful in that instance. And it did really help me unpick and unpeel what it, what about that situation triggered feeling me feeling low, but also other situations like with my, my parents, with my family in general, with my um, friends, different things that were all kind of working into, into this kind of big bubble of, really low 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 energy at my lowest I'll be honest suicidal I'll be mm -hmm. honest about that um not something I'm proud of not something that I I feel I think some of my friends know already that that's how I felt um mm -hmm. like I felt like I wanted the bus to hit me 
Like I felt like yeah. if I left my house, I like I'm a coward, okay? Like I don't I don't have the balls to take pills. I don't have the balls to put anything around my neck and hang myself. I don't like pain in that way. Um, not to say that being like killing yourself is a really positive thing, but what I'm trying to say is that I don't have the I don't have the I don't have it in me to do that, but yeah. I, I feel like if I'd been hit by a car, okay. I would have been like, okay. Because I just yeah. didn't feel at that point in time in I didn't want to I didn't see what the point of living was. And I think that going to therapy made me realise how much I had to live for. Like and mm-hmm. even post going therapy since then, like having my daughter, I'll be honest, it saved my life to be quite honest with you. Mm-hmm. Because it was I was in a uh, a low place before I got pregnant, which not a lot of people mm-hmm. knew. I was mentally not in a, 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 I wasn't in a good space. I'd had something traumatic happen before that. And so mm-hmm. therefore I wasn't in a good space. So being pregnant, even in the midst of a pandemic, whatever, like it literally saved me and having her mm-hmm. saved me. So that's what I have to live for every mm-hmm. day. But I know that having a baby isn't a plaster for other people's mental health issues. Mm. And I would say, if you're feeling lonely or sad, don't have a baby to save your mental health because they are hard work. But mm. it, it is something that helped me. It, it, do you know what I said? And I said to my husband, I said, any generational curses that I feel or any bad luck or any things that have happened, it stops with me. And it mm. stops my daughter's not going to experience it. Yeah. That's what I've, I've said, which is a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. No, and you know what? I, I definitely, I think that's a really awesome uh, mindset to have. Fine. I think that's really, really positive. I know it's really, really hard. And I think definitely thank you for sharing. I think similarly to you, like, you know what? Yeah, there has been time back in the day where it has been really bad, mm. where, yes, quite similar to you, there has been suicidal thoughts. I think for me, I didn't, I, I was like, what value do you actually add to anyone? Mm. And that's actually quite, uh, um, when you think back about it, you're just like, fuck me, you're in a really dark space, mm. aren't you? Um, but yeah, no, definitely. I was like, yeah, what value do you add? And yeah. I think that's when I started to scare um, myself. And I was like, actually, you know what? Like, take some time out. Mm-hmm. I think I was able to take a couple of days just to reflect. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I go into my deep reflection uh, states, it is like in the room, reading <laughs> thinking but sometimes it doesn't help because yeah. you know when you're overthinking because your brain's all over the place so you can't necessarily like structure your thoughts but I think obviously I think this is a positive from a um from the NHS where they introduced me to the thought tree so actually <laughs> all these different thoughts and stuff like that and how to kind of like you know organize it but yeah I think for for, for me what really helped is definitely kind of like having that reflection I do like to read a lot mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I think, by me reading helps me to almost put things into perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really great website or called um, or a company called the School of Life, mm-hmm. um, and they do psychotherapy sessions. And basically, it's like it's like a website that support people be, be, um, uh, be the best versions of themselves through like workshops and different tools and stuff like that. But they've got a blog called the book of life mm-hmm. and it basically has all these articles around um, uh, literature, for example, or uh, society, gender, sexuality, mental health, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et so it's quite powerful. I think sometimes it's just nice to read things because it, puts things into perspective. I think that's how I kind of like handle it sometimes. 
But then sometimes I'm just like, oh, you know what? I can't handle it. I just need to just give me a good old cry. Yeah, get it out, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> just sometimes crying is great. I mean, there's so yeah. many things you could do to make yourself feel better. I was going to throw in another book recommendation that I can't find this book. I think I lent it to someone. Now I don't know where it is. But yeah. it's called The Body Keeps the Score, mm-hmm. which is, let me just find the author. The author is Bessel van der Kolk. And okay. it's an amazing book talking about how mind the mind and brain and trauma and how mm-hmm. like the what actually mental health does to your body mm-hmm. like it can genet- uh, genetically is that my, is that the word I'm looking for it can alter your brain waves mm-hmm. and what it does <clears throat> um and that's why I I do always advocate for black people black women especially to get support because you don't even know in the way that it changes the way that your your brain works and even your body like our mm. health complaints our issues that we have is some of that not our mental health not being addressed mm-hmm. i do wonder you know i know like i go to yoga well i haven't been post baby but i i hope to pick it up again and i'm often the only black person in the room and I think for any black people that I know that do yoga, often they're the only black people in the room, which I don't know if there's like some sort of just like, just like something disconnect between yoga and the black yeah, people. Like it is. Yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of Christians think it's, because um, it's, is it a Hindu practice? I don't want to be wrong, but it's, I think its roots are in Hinduism. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and um, I think they sort of think it's like you're doing devilish stuff, which is okay. That's fair enough. Um, but, I do think that, um, you know, it. I always think strong in body, strong in mind, which is, that has really, it For helped sure. me, especially before, you know, went into bloody lockdown, 2019, I was going more frequently, but it really helped me when I was having like a, um, a bad week or whatever. You just go to yoga and literally I just used to come out feeling so much clearer because I was like, yes, my body feels strong. My mind feels strong. Um, but I think a lot of, um, black people god please don't come for me but i just think they just think they can solve it with church oops yes i said it i did it again look church is wonderful church is community spirit um church um really helps people when they're going through stuff but i would i also say that if you're in a not in a great space and you cannot find the answers in god pay a trained professional like mm. you gotta think to yourself let's think about let's let's for example if i'm someone who um regularly um i don't know i don't know i take drugs every day yeah i take drugs every day and you're somebody who you um you're taking drugs too but you want to stop but you're thinking okay well i'm gonna go speak to this person because like they're an expert about drugs they might be able to give me the tools to stop taking drugs well no they're not are they because really they're still taking drugs too with christianity if you're going through something that conflicts with something in the Bible, you're a bit unsure, your feelings are a little bit like, you know, I'm going to say, for example, homosexuality, right? Because I do mm-hmm. know Christian um, gay and lesbian people who mm-hmm. exist. They still praise and they still worship God, but that's conflicting, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's conflicting because they don't, the two don't marry up. If I'm someone who is gay or lesbian or bi or whatever the case may be, and I want to get um, support for my mental health, do I feel comfortable enough to go to my pastor who is not going to root that in my sexuality because it conflicts with mm. their religious view? Mm. That's why I'm often like, it's up to the individual. They feel that's the best thing to do. But I think sometimes think about approaching somebody that is not within 
the culture you're in to get support mm. because they cannot be unbiased no matter what yeah they can't be a trained pro- professional has to be unbiased like mm. they can get into a lot of trouble if they're telling you to do something that mm. is in line with what their personal beliefs are they have a code mm. of conduct unfortunately a pastor only has the i say unfortunately that's not unfortunate but the pastor only has the bible as a code of conduct which might be where you are having the conflict in terms of your mental health Mm. now if there's any christian people who want to come and correct me who want to tell me um about positive experiences they had i'm more than happy to have that conversation but i just found with myself that was not something that i was comfortable with going to speak to a pastor or priest about what i was going through because yes i can find answers in god that is true but i don't think but you're waiting, right? Because we all believe in miracles and that and I'm not getting the miracle to for my mental health breakthrough. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I've probably been a bit bit controversial there, but No, I think it but I think it's a really good point that you raise though, definitely. And I think because I do feel it's almost that balance. I think yeah, it is our culture, and I think it's that balance between science yeah. versus culture yeah if that makes sense Mm -hmm. like it is I think it is that conflict and struggle all the time between culture and science so an example like you know what like if I instead of going if if I've got a cold Mm -hmm. or the flu right don't go and take ibuprofen don't go take medication (laughs) go take rum and ginger and onion and lemon that's just an example I know it might be a very like (laughs) silly example it's one yeah but, but it's one, um, instead of, uh, you know, if you've got mental health, um, you don't need, a, who needs a head doctor? Mm. You don't need a head doctor. Like, listen, man, things were hard when I come, but everything from the Jamaica, mm. things, you're right, man, you're shrunk, you're shrunk. I, I don't feel, I think it is that balance between, mm-hmm. and maybe actually we are the generation that actually we can flip kind of like that, 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 yeah. um, uh the script a little bit mm-hmm. um but yeah i do think it is that balance especially in afro-caribbean and for me i mean you need to correct me sure. in african culture as well but it is that balance and i think that conflict and struggle between actually science versus culture mm-hmm. like even like and i know we're not going to go into it like too tough around like you know the covid jab um but an example, like I do know the reasons why our community weren't necessarily trusting of the government, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. But it is, it is that struggle, mm. our cultural uh, background and what things we've gone through in the past mm-hmm. versus science um, will always be a bit of an issue. Yeah. And it's hard to balance. So I definitely, it definitely makes sense. I don't think yeah. that is, I think, yeah, it might be controversial, but I think it's worth people thinking about yeah, it yeah I think you've got to raise the point because I know of too many people who they've come to that crossroads where they've had that mental health issue and the religion is not supporting what they're going through they feel a conflict because it's not and I've been at that crossroads too because it's not supporting maybe someone's going to tell me I'm not looking in the right place in the bible or I'm not looking here I really admire people who can find solace in that um but it just wasn't working for for me and I know of other people it hasn't worked for either and I think that at the end of the day like you mentioned the COVID jab if our community um wants to um I don't know what's the term it's not move forward because I don't think the COVID jab is going to move forward here or there if you don't want to take it don't take it that's not what I mean Mm. but I think we also have to be careful in that 
Like we don't have all the answers to solve all our own problems. And some of the problems that we have are not created by us. They're created for us to have. Mm. So how are we going to solve it if we're not even the ones who caused this problem in the first place? And with our mental health, if we're telling people to pray away or, um, you know, I know in some African countries where they're still performing exorcisms on children who maybe just have like a a little disability or a mental health disorder. They may Mm -hmm. be bipolar. Who knows what it could be, but they're saying that they're evil or there's something wrong with them. And that is a problem that actually we do need to tackle. Like we we do need need to to, tackle it. Um, I don't think it happens as much here, but I think of um, that poor girl, Victoria Kalimbe. Yeah. Um, You know, and I just think, you know, they're probably family members who who knew what kind of yeah person that woman was and her partner yeah. but we brush it away because we're black and we we, mm-hmm. we bury things you know i i hear sometimes black people talking about the asian community and saying how everything's secret we're the same we're the same we're exactly the same. the same we're the same exactly the same like there's exactly so the many things that go on behind people's closed doors yeah that we do and we mm-hmm. don't talk about it mm-hmm. and we think we're better we're not. Mm. We're the same. Like they maybe their stuff is probably more in the news a bit more. So you sort of go, "Oh, you're turning your nose up!" Like, "Oh my god, that arranged marriage." There are people that have arranged marriages in African countries. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. There are people hiding or getting married because they are uh, they're gay or they're lesbian, and they feel like they have to get married to somebody yeah. because they're scared they're going to be put in prison or killed or stoned if they come out about their sexuality yeah i agree we are quite quick i think yeah yeah, we're quite quick to watch another people's garden when actually these times there our back garden ain't even older it's It's not not. so yeah no for sure i think there's a lot yeah there's a lot that i think that we need to do as a community in that space and i do feel that there's quite um i think i said this previously on another on uh, one of the uh, one of the previous episodes um but it's interesting when you look at different cultures because they're together Mm. and i do feel that sometimes we're very quick to be like okay watching another place's culture this Mm. culture oh my god we don't do that when these are there that we really do and actually Mm. we're not really focusing on what we need to do for ourselves Mm -hmm. to elevate ourselves Mm -hmm. and ensure that our house is in order keep Things in Arda, you in Arda, yeah. before you then go in and watch other people. For sure. So 100%, 100%, 100%. I absolutely agree. For sure. Um, so, what interventions? Mm-hmm. What do we need? What do we need as a black community? I, I think, you know what? I think definitely what we need as a, as a, as a black community, um, I think definitely a lot of education and support from an early age around actually, you are unfortunately you are more likely to fall into this statistic. So these are the resources that you need. I think that they should have mentorship programs, workshops in mm-hmm. schools, start the conversation super early. You've got kid, primary school kids. Can you imagine like 20 years ago or however long mm-hmm. years ago when we were in primary school? Can you imagine if I said to my mom, I've got anxiety? Mm-hmm. Mom would have been like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? But actually it's a real thing yeah, now. For sure. I think it's really about actually looking at where it will some of those, almost projecting for the future, projecting for the future, that's not the right mm-hmm. word I'm looking for, but 
Yeah, you are actually, you're, you're almost um, looking at the future. If you have this young black boy, he is going to face inequality because of the colour of his skin, mm. because he's a, a male. He's more times likely to fall into the wrong crowd. So actually, how do we support him and give him the tools and the exposure mm. to the stuff to, to combat any future challenges that he has. I think that there's an opportunity to do that yeah, more, yeah, yeah. to do more of that. I think it doesn't help that the government was obviously cutting funding for obviously like, you know, youth work and um, uh, youth workshops uh, because it's just ridiculous. Um, I feel mm. that there's a lot of things that we could be doing from a social and economical perspective for our community because obviously we're born at a disadvantage in comparison to our white peers. We have to go to fucking work. Our parents are not necessarily got the capacity nor the capability at times mm. to sit down and support us from an educational perspective, from a financial perspective. So of course it's easier for our black brothers, our black sisters to run treats mm. because actually you're able to get the check quicker and then these times that you got to help your parents anyway yeah. to keep the roof. So there's a lot of things, I think, a lot of things that the government can do and I think that we can do as a community also. Mm. So how do we galvanise each other together to actually create, like, workshops or programmes run by communities that really that have legacy mm. and that can really change our um that can really support our community in the future when it comes to mental health mm. um how do we normalize the conversations there's so many things that we could do like i do feel that you know and it's just program that we've got at the moment is that fit for purpose for a black girl mm-hmm. is it is it really no you know that we that you know that we that there's, there's complete different experiences. So I just feel that we should have bespoke interventions, <clears throat> excuse me, for us, mm-hmm. because our um, experiences are bespoke. Mm. No one else is going to go <laughs> to stats in itself. Black women, child death rates, childbirth death rates. Mm-hmm. I can't, is, is there any other like population or community that's going to go through that? No, mm. no. Like you know, the stats are there as we read out before in the in in um in the um before the episode. Like you know, four times as likely. Like come on, you know that that, that we're not going to have our experiences are going to be bespoke. You know it's going to be hard. Yeah. So start to do the interventions now yeah, yeah. that support us in the future. I went off a bit of a rant. I'm sorry. <laughs> Obviously, you can tell I was getting really passionate because the hands were moving as well. I didn't even know if that made sense. It did make sense. It did. It did. It, I totally. I hope so. I'm here with you. I agree with what you said. I mean, you got like, you've got like Black Minds Matter, which is a fantastic initiative. Yes, um, yeah. which is great. Um, but it 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 will need more. Like they're doing fantastic work. Um, and I think where for me, my dream would be there'd be interventions at the right points because you right. don't want someone to be they've missed it. So we were having a discussion the other day about um, young men coming out of prison. Mm-hmm. So you get black young black men who are obviously more likely to be detained and put in prison, especially for petty mm-hmm. things. Um, they'll be in prison or have a criminal record, and they are unable to uh, land work. They're unable to find somewhere to live. They're unable to even sustain themselves, and even if they really want to, so more likely to fall into crime. Now, obviously, I know there's things that are like you have some youth work, but we know it's been cut. Um, some probation support. But it'd be really nice to have something within our community for the different 
parts that we're more likely to fall down on. So, like, oh, 100%. you know, like, so if yeah. it is um, people coming out of prison who want to work, like, I really like the guy from Timpson. He's the mm. owner of Timpson, you know, the people that do the shoes and the keys, etc. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Boris Johnson, uh, within the last couple of weeks, basically mentioned something about having people come out, of, uh, people who come out of prison or whatever nonsense or who commit crime, basically having like chain gang prisoners, whatever, you know, when you have the thing around the ankle and they're like working on the streets and, and doing working for the community for free. Similar to like what you have in America, you know, they have slaves when they had things on their flipping ankles and working. (laughs) And he, the guy that owns Timpson, so sorry, I don't remember his name. He basically employs ex-offenders and trains them up and you know people might look down their noses at oh who wants to be like a, a shoe cobbler but mm. you know these are things that we need in society you need people who can come 100%. Here, you know 100 he does fantastic work and i just wish more organizations yeah you're gonna have some people like and you can't trust them whatever but you also have some people who just need a chance um mm. especially a lot of young black men would need a mm-hmm. chance so they don't reoffend and don't go back into prison um, same with like maternity and mortality and black women having kids. We have doulas. They exist, of course. You can have a doula to help you. But I really do think there needs to be more postpartum support because doulas are not cheap. They're quite expensive. So actually mm. a lot of people, unless you're like a uh, a black middle class woman or someone who's got extra money on hand to afford that or maybe a partner who can support with that, it's actually quite expensive. So there mm. needs to be something in place specifically for our maternity support for our you know our young girls going to college or young boys you know why do we always have to push them into sport why do they always have to do football why do they always have to do athletics there are young boys who are like their minds are so like out there who could be engineers they could be you know space mm. what space i was gonna say space flyers <laughs> <laughs> astronauts, astronauts. <laughs> Astronauts. Um, <laughs> astronauts we we don't have that yet and we don't have the funds and resources to do that so it's basically us as parents aunties uncles godparents mm. who really need to encourage the dreams that our young people have instead of just telling them you better be a doctor or an accountant yeah. you know so I, I i do hope that we can get something in place to help us but for the meantime I think like you know we're trying to talk about our experiences so that might encourage someone to get mental health support Mm -hmm. but also just to talk to each other I think we don't yeah suffer in silence too much yeah what's the what's the what's the um that that statement or that almost that motto a problem shared the problem is a problem halved yeah is that right? I think that's it. Problem shared is a problem half, and you are right. I think the more conversations that we can have and sharing our experiences with one another, I think that really supports. Yeah. Like, I think literally just talking about things that you are struggling with yeah. really helps yeah. um, because you're able to externalize it mm-hmm. and you give it um, you give you give it body yeah. instead of it staying in your head, and then that makes you even more it complicates you even more mm. um so I think you're yeah, definitely not like, sharing the examples having conversations really really support yeah and I found that that definitely supported me mm-hmm. I think obviously definitely if, if anybody um uh, is out there and you are struggling obviously we encourage you to obviously seek uh, professional help whether it is with the NHS whether it is private definitely kind of like reading books as well really helps um so the books uh recommendations that myself and Latoya obviously shared with mm-hmm. you um going to the gym 
Yeah. Or doing some sort of exercise yeah. as well. That really does help. Like even if it is 10 minutes, mm-hmm. 10 minutes a day, do your little squats, 10 minutes a day, do your press ups, 10 minutes a day, maybe go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, that really does help. And I think another thing that helped me, and I think I mentioned it previously on a few, mm-hmm. uh, few other episodes, and I do, don't do it every day. So don't, I don't want to you know, give you like some false uh, pretense or false, hope, but positive affirmations and just waking up in the morning and giving thanks. Yeah, gratitude attitude. Like, you know what? Thank you mm-hmm. for the weather. Mm-hmm. About how shit it is. <laughs> like sometimes when I'm feeling a little bit disconnected with like the world, I like it to rain mm. because I'm able to, I know this might sound a bit crazy, <laughs> but you know crazy is not the right word it might sound a little bit like odd mm. I would say right but when it rains you can feel the temperature drop obviously there's moisture in the air even just the raindrops on your skin mm. you are here you are present yeah. you're in this moment so that really does it's beautiful that sounds it's, really a bit it's odd isn't it you're sorry right. it's beautiful Sorry. <laughs> no, that's really like touching. Like, oh, I'm just go stand in the rain. I did get rained on yesterday, but it's okay. I, 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 like, I didn't feel present. I felt wet. <laughs> <laughs> I was soaked. Um, but yeah, no, that I think that's great. I think it's wonderful. And yeah, I'm only going to throw in like music is my everything. Mm. Music is like, it's like in my bones I love music so much and I often find when I'm feeling so low I realize I haven't listened to any music today I haven't listened to anything so I just put on in the morning when I have my me time my music um you know I have music for different moods different you Mm -hmm. know I don't have I, I purposely got rid of like playlists that were like really low you know like thing music just makes you feel like don't speak no just words yeah yeah I got rid of that Oh, what? No, no, no I, love it. I love it, but I just was like, this is making me feel worse. Yeah. So, I suppose you're not listening to No Adele, boy. No, no, oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, hell no. I love Adele, but I can't. It's just too much. It's too, yeah. yeah. You know, she, she's not giving me the vim I need. I hope the new album will be doing that, though. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like, I find music, uh, dancing, even if you can't dance, like, dance around, you live, go to a dance class. I think they're open now, so you can go to dance mm-hmm. classes. Um, I mentioned yoga. That's my um, my go to when I'm feeling whatever. Mm-hmm. Even just doing some stretching because that body keeps a score. Because I said you keep stressing your body, in your mm-hmm. neck, in your shoulders, in your back, where it's all like crunched mm-hmm. up in your hips. It basically travels around mm-hmm. your body and gives a physical response. Mm-hmm. People who constantly complain they've got backache. Not that there's not, I'm not saying, besides the fact of someone you haven't been diagnosed with something, I'm saying. Yeah. But like, if you're like hunched at your desk and you're stressed and you're tight, all of that is sitting in your body. So actually sometimes just stretching, releasing, cracking, that literally will just release some of the the mental stress from the physical stress in your body. Um, That's probably my, my, my go-tos, cooking a good meal. I don't, for me personally, I, I don't, I try not to turn to alcohol if I'm feeling a certain way because sometimes it makes me feel worse but I do understand that sometimes people just need to drink to unwind so you know do your thing boo um I was <laughs> that is me one I'm gonna say it's a bit controversial and I, I, I'm gonna say like I feel like sometimes it's a black community thing about smoking weed and I feel like weed is nice I'm not saying I've smoked it um but <laughs> Yeah, why are you laughing? Sorry, I'm just, it's just a facial expression, sorry. 
<laughs> I've never smoked it. Um, but I will say that um, we have to be careful of weed. I know, I know I'm controversial because it's very, I think people become very addicted to not feeling because weed makes you feel so high. Oh, 100%. Do you know of course. What I mean? I like no, I, 100%. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like the black go to. Yeah. Oh, I don't do drugs, but I just smoke weed. Yeah, but weed can bring on psychosis, it can bring on a yeah. lot of problems. Yeah. Now I'm not the necessarily the expert when it comes to like oh it's like weed. Uh, quite similar to you, like but like literally like I think people underestimate how potent yeah. it can be. Like although it might be a class B in comparison to a class A, mm. all drugs will have some sort of knock on mm-hmm. effect on you, right? But the value of it is it will chemically change your brain, as does alcohol, mm-hmm. as does drugs in general. But over time, if you're addicted, let's say if I was, if I started blazing from the age of like 14 up until now, I would be, they, I would be changing my brain. Yeah. And whilst I think the people, I, I do feel that, you know, it stabilizes the mood, but then you need to understand something because you're high, you're now, your reality of your mood being stable is because you're high. Mm. You're not, it, that's not the reality of it though. Mm-hmm. So I think I agree with you. The, the thing sometimes is to turn to the weed. Um, everyone, each to their own, isn't it? Yeah. Everyone's thing, each babe. to their own, do your thing. But I think just be careful mm. because, yeah, when you start to sw- smoke it to feel normal, mm. then that's when, yeah, you know what? You're not actually high anymore. You just say, you know, what? I need a swift to operate during the day. Yeah. Is, is, yeah, that, yeah. is, is, is that a good thing? Yeah. So yeah, just consider. If you're operating on careful. it, good for you. Wow, that's great. But mad because I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. I I couldn't. I just mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. yeah. I just, yeah, we're not any better just because we have weed instead of like I don't know coke as our main like drug, and it's not a drug; yeah. it's a herb. Um, yeah. You're gonna go, are you, but are you gonna go eat a cactus? I don't understand. Like. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're not going to eat a cactus because it's going to prick your tongue. Yeah, so yeah. If you are you going to constantly have something that's going to alter your brain long term? Let's be realistic mm. here. Come on, like anyway. Mm. Um, I'm sure some people won't agree with that, but I'm not. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying, yeah, like, no, be careful sure. because it's it's anything in moderation. Anything in moderation. Alcohol, drugs. They they are like you said. They change the way your brain works. Chemically mm. alter your body for a period of time, and after sometimes. You can't come back from that because yeah. of the addiction. Um, mm. But we're we're probably going off on one. We're not trying to rant at you. Sorry. <laughs> so I, was, I love it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I think uh, we have we come to the end. Of it, like, I think we've, we've come to the we've end. We've quite a lot of talking here. We've come to the end with the snatchets of uh, this episode, Our Minds Matter. Um, as I said in the context, I think uh, we hope uh, that by us talking about you know our struggles and uh, things that we've done to overcome, um, our, to support our mental health, it kind of could support um, any of you that potentially are going through some challenging times. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, that we are not counsellors, oh. we're not psychotherapists. Oh. Um, so, you know, please feel free if you are struggling to reach out for some professional help. I think that we've given you some book resist um, books book resistance <laughs> book suggestions, um, but there's definitely podcasts as well that you can obviously listen to. Yeah. Uh, that's around mental health. Uh, there was one uh, that we follow, Snatch Men Tell Health, um, and it's looking at 
mental health for men because uh, I'm an advocate of mental health for men yes. as you are for, for, for women, for women. Yeah. so any of my black brothers sisters or even my Asian and white brothers um, who are struggling please feel free uh, to yeah, seek the help that you need um, and yeah I think anyone who would like to join in the conversation um, or anything that we've discussed in this episode please feel free uh, to get in touch with for us sure. um, but yeah we hope you enjoyed us sharing and our experiences and showing some vulnerability. Uh, and we will see you uh, around very shortly. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.